ice water in his veins. I couldn't think of a better place to end the street than Death Valley, South Carolina, baby. Guys going down, guys stepping up. That's what football is all about. And they say we can't do it. What they say now? Cardinal crashed into my window. I think he might die. Cause I know what he saw in that reflection light on the glass was a better life. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast. Gigum is an ancient Texan for an $86 million buyout. Spentler Rattler wears seven on his jersey, has eight touchdowns, and nine interceptions. As a continued source of statewide disappointment, South Carolina returned a portion of their ticket allotment for the rivalry game this year and Clemson immediately sold the game out. They're always keen to let others carry their weight, aren't they? Clemson is 9-1, and life is good. Welcome back to the Clemson Podcast, everyone. I'm your host, Nick, joined tonight by Ben. We are here for the Louisville recap episode. Been a couple weeks, Ben, since we've been on the show. Uh, Working the kinks out a little bit here, but good to be here. Good to see you again. How you doing? It's always good to still be able to make fun of other teams, Um, you know, even if you're having what you consider to be a disappointing season at nine and one. Um, I'm doing good, man. Uh, last time I saw you, we were in Chicago uh, pre and post the Notre Dame fiasco in South Bend. Um, that was a fun experience, I thought, except for the game itself. Um, a little disappointed in the fans that they weren't more excited afterwards that they beat us. Um, we had kids behind us. I mean, now listen, the fans are great. I had a really great time there. I don't know how your experience was. We didn't sit together. Um, but yeah, I thought the fans were great. Great. The tailgating was awesome. Um, but yeah, the atmosphere is just like, even though the stadium is filled, it's just not quite the same. You know, we had some kids sitting behind us debating whether or not they were going to rush the field, um, at the end of the game when it was obvious they were going to win. And I'm like, of course you're going to rush the field. We do it every game. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> why wouldn't you for this one um but they did um but yeah after everybody was kind of like walking remind me of alabama fans after they won a national championship it's like oh, oh um you know yeah kind of it felt like church a little bit yeah up in there um i think that's how they like it but uh i agree with you i think part of what took the shine off that win for them is that they had lost to marshall and stanford coming into that game but either way you know you're this is a huge first win for Marcus Freeman against, you know, a ranked team, let alone the number four team. You defended your, defended your home stadium, like show a little, show a little noise in that stadium. I, I agree with you. you know? It was weird. It wasn't um, a very intimidating atmosphere. I didn't think, right. I mean, it got loud at times, um, but maybe we're just spoiled from, you know, yeah. going to Clemson football games or other games. Um around the South and the SEC and, and stuff like that. Um, it reminded me very much when I saw Notre Dame play Stanford here several years ago down in Palo Alto. And I think both teams are like ranked top 10, very highly ranked. Um, and that game came right down to the wire to like a field goal at the end. And the place was just like so quiet. Yeah. Um, so, I mean, all, all this to say, I just really appreciate makes me appreciate more even in the loss the atmosphere that we have around Clemson and the excitement and the football culture uh, that, that we have, you know, for our school. So 
yeah, even though we lost, that was super disappointing, especially the way in which we lost. Um, right. Certainly didn't, oh. didn't see that coming. Notre Dame fans didn't see that coming. Yeah. Going in, everyone was like, oh, can you guys make sure you don't beat us by double digits? I got some money on this game. And it's like, all right. You know, I was like, I think it's gonna be closer than you think, but did not anticipate the way it played out and thought we'd thought we'd win. Certainly. But well, the loudest yeah, the, fan in that, that stadium all night was when we 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 had our last score and we hit the over because I won some money on that. <laughs> I, I think I heard out. you from across the stadium. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> I let out um, such a huge yell. It's the only thing I had to root for at that point, right? Yeah. Well, one thing I'll say, like, I think I think everyone should go to a game there. Like, it, it's a Absolutely. beautiful campus. It's a cool environment. You know, if you're if you're a big college football fan long term, like, you know, they're it's I would put it definitely in like the top 10 college football destinations um, to go check out a game. You know, again, take our noise in the stadium atmosphere kind of comments aside. Like the whole campus is really, really beautiful. It's, you know, a good location, like where the stadium is relative to all the other landmarks that you hear about. So um, we lucked out with pretty good weather, Ben. I, I know it was cold and, you know, that wind was legit. Uh, I think it probably disrupted the team in the early going or at least the play calling and the mentality about the game. But um, other than that, I mean, yeah, I, I definitely advocate people go check it out. Well, we advocate you stay in Chicago and then drive in for the game. Yeah, the first two days right. in Chicago, the weather was amazing, especially for being the beginning of November. It was like 70, low 70s, right. sunny. Um, and then, you know, the it didn't even really rain that much. It was just the wind that came through. I mean, you saw that Ohio State Northwestern game. Like they had worse weather. Yeah, it was yeah. ground and pound the whole time because you just couldn't throw the ball. And I was, you know, we were still in Chicago and that game was going on. The winds were whipping. There did there was some rain, a couple uh little storms come through. But yeah, for the remainder, it was pretty much the wind. But you know, I thought it died down by game time. It was still a little bit strong, maybe like 20 mile per hour gusts in the in the first half of the game but it really wasn't a factor going into the second half i didn't think um it was just you know it's nothing for definitely no excuses on clemson we just got our just got our ass beat got out coached got outplayed um had nothing to do with the weather yeah i agree with you i listened to the cody jarrett uh podcast recap episode uh which did not include your your me your i so doesn't really count, does it? But uh, no, those guys did a great job recapping the game, capturing kind of the sentiment of fans. I know Cody was there. He talked about his experience. Um, I think the only thing I would have to add to what they said, and I think they hit on this, but just the fact that Clemson did come in that seemingly that unprepared and seemingly that soft and kind of not up for the moment after a bye week, kind of after having that kind of dicey game a little bit against Syracuse, you really thought this would have been a get right game for Clemson coming off that Syracuse game and would come in focused against, you know, a hostile environment, knowing this is a big time college football program you're playing against. And to just have that kind of effort from the start, like, yes, the weather might've impacted a little bit the offensive game plan, but um, you know, we're not here to recap that game too much, Ben. I just want to say like pretty disappointing overall from an effort standpoint and kind of what we saw. Uh, and didn't seem like they could make the adjustment during the game either to reverse course and kind of adapt to what Notre Dame was throwing at them. I don't, I mean, would you, who would you say was the Notre Dame MVP of that game? It's not like they had one thing cooking against us that we just couldn't stop. I'd probably say their O-line or, you know, obviously their running game was amazing, but it's not, you know, that, that seems to be the kind of thing that you can make some adjustments to and, 
you know, hit your, fill your run gaps, that kind of thing. Um, but I don't know, just disappointing, disappointing overall. Well, I mean, touchdown Jesus is always your MVP. Um, but yeah, there wasn't any one thing. They just, you know, all across the board, they, they whooped our butt and yeah, completely disappointing with two weeks of prep. Um, and that, that all goes on the coaching in my mind. And, you know, I got some things to talk about in this game that I think goes squarely on the coaching, um, right. against Louisville that is, um, but yeah, I don't know. I'll probably go back. But Let's see how this I season know. ends. Only, <laughs> only when I know it. we're going to kick their ass because, yeah, it was nice. It was a great campus, but we did have to go to Indiana. It, yeah, that the Cody touched on it. The drive there and back was was brutal. Yeah. So anyway, there's other parts of the state that are a lot nicer, but that was not. We were not in those parts. So, um, anyway, let's move it on to Louisville then. Uh, Clemson bounced back with a victory, came back home three games in a row here at Death Valley uh, site for sore eyes, you know, seeing the team run down the hill. I love personally the purple and orange combo, um, maybe an acquired taste for some Clemson improves to 10 and 0 in that uniform combo, Ben combination, you know, since Dabo kind of reformed the approach to the uniform, there's a system now, I think you know this purple usually it's a purple out on military appreciation day you don't wear the orange britches unless you're playing for a championship be it a division a state a conference or a natty um maybe a bowl game too but other than that um you know just good to see the team i think come back and play with a bit more intensity in this game uh but i don't think you could say it was like four quarters of intensity and um certainly some mistakes you know played out in this game. I think coming in, I was, I was fearing Louisville. They've been really hot. You know, their offense has been clicking their defense has been forcing turnovers and takeaways. If I told you, Ben, Louisville forces three Clemson turnovers um, in this one. And, you know, really the offense does stagnate. I think you'd be a little spooked about the results of this game. Um, the Clemson defense showed up, you know, showed out against Louisville and, and contained them. But this game was never really a case where Louisville was threatening. And I think, I don't know how much of that you could chalk up to the first half. Malik Cunningham seemed to be limited, you know, with his non-throwing hand causing some, him some pain and some injury, um, potentially limiting how much he wanted to run with it or really get aggressive in throwing. But I don't know if it, you could entirely chalk that up to injury. Um, they're not a particularly well-coached team, in my opinion, and what I've seen from them. They just seem really inconsistent. And, um, you know, it's kind of a shame. I kind of wanted to see, like, could Clemson absorb Louisville's best on the field, you know, in all phases and see how we could do. I thought this would be our lone remaining challenge in the regular season of a capable opponent. Um, we didn't really get to see that, I don't feel like. So I guess I shrugged my shoulders to see to say that Clemson really did have a an amazing bounce back effort here because I just don't know that we face an opponent that challenged us all that much. Yeah, this would have been a completely different game. Well, for a, a couple reasons. Number one, Clemson should have put a lot more points on the board. Um, one, because of the three turnovers. And then also we just decided to stop throwing the ball up 24 to 10 uh, with 10, 11 minutes left in the fourth quarter. Um, 
And then also Malik Cunningham's injury, I think, did have a big effect. Like he just couldn't he couldn't run with his ball in the, in, in the left hand. So like if you're running, if you're the quarterback and you're running out to your left side, you don't want that ball in your right hand. A, it's unnatural to run that way when you're trying to go downfield. Um, but then also when you keep it in that left hand to protect it, and he just couldn't do that. So it took out a whole side of the field for him. Also, you didn't want to risk um, it re or injuring that hand anymore from him getting tackled. And lo and behold, last play of the, the first half on what was going to be a Hail Mary, he ends up injuring his other hand. Um, so that really stymied their offense and took away probably their greatest threat on the offensive side of the ball. So, I mean, in, in, you know, if you limit the Clemson turnovers on offense and Lee Cunningham does not have that injury issue, then this is a much higher scoring game in my opinion. Um, but it wasn't. And Clemson did what they needed to do to win the defense held. They did give up uh, way too many big plays still. Some of that being on corn Wiggins um, or sorry, Nate Wiggins. Nate, um, Nate Wiggins. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Um, but yeah, I mean, offense did what it had to do. It's just kind of vanilla at this point. We're relying on Sh on Ship and Maffa, who are phenomenal players, to run the ball right down their throat, which we were able to do that. We relied heavily on DJ's running game in this one, which why with the win situation in Notre Dame, you didn't lean on that in that game. That brings up some coaching questions. I don't know. Um, but, yeah. And that I mean, seemed to get DJ. Let's like start off with that then. Like offense, beginning of the game, DJ's running it. First two, three, two, three plays, get some good yardage. Then he starts to throw the ball. That's not quite as dialed in, but then they dial up the right passes. Clemson moves the ball down, scores easily. Um, I agree with you. Like it seemed to get DJ's confidence going a little bit to return to the running game. Um, yeah. So why we went away from that against Notre Dame, especially when the wind. Is, is causing so much of an issue um, there early on. I don't know. Maybe Jeff Scott thought that that was um, Brandon you know, Streeter. It's going to be, <laughs> or sorry, I'm all over the place. Well, I, that's just looking ahead, you know? Yeah. Um, no, understood. Brandon, Brandon Streeter ready. Was just, you know, thought that would be too obvious. So we, you know, decided to do it, just crap ton of screen passes. Um, right. I don't know. Who knows? A lot of questions and marks there. I think for the most part of the season, we've been pretty happy with the way Brandon Streeter's called games, um, especially with, you know, limited playmaking ability um, at the quarterback position, just with DJ and his limited ability to, you know, go through multiple reads and check downs and stuff like that. And also the wide receivers not getting a ton of separation, still some offensive line issues. Although the offensive line has played a lot better as, uh, as of late, especially in the run game. We need to give him credit for that. So, um, yeah, I don't know. It's crazy. And like, you notice every time we go up tempo, like we actually do well, whether it's in a two minute drill or we start to give some momentum on offense. And DJ even said it himself in an interview after the game. He's like, yeah, you know, it works really well when we go up tempo because it takes a lot of the thinking out of it. And like, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well, then let's do that. Right. Yeah. Duh. Um, yeah, <laughs> for sure. Like, well, and it, it's not working with him going through his progressions of checkdowns and like all the wide receivers aren't giving open. They just go to those quick, short passes and just get some momentum going. Um, yeah, I don't know. Throw the ball to the tight ends. Damn it. Just throw the ball yeah. to the tight ends. We're, we're not holding the playbook back. We should not for any reason at this point in the season. Well, there's a couple couple of narrative lines I want to like pull out here, pull the thread on in the offense uh, when we cover this here. A um, couple things like you, you bring up the tempo piece. Very, very good to have seen that in the game. And that that did work out. We even saw it against Notre Dame, like, you know, call it two minute drill, call it 
very end of the game, Clemson actually started to care about scoring touchdowns. When Dabo and, yelled into his headset, why weren't we doing that all game? <laughs> for sure. Like that, you know, that's that's all you need to know, right? Why but, didn't Dabo speak up earlier? Good, very, very fair question. I heard coming into this game, Dabo was gonna be a little bit more involved in the in the coaching and in the in the play calling. I think you saw that a little bit. There was that one play, was it like the Philly special? Um, that they tried to throw it back across to DJ as a receiver. That that one was a disaster a bit. I mean, I, they, well, no, it, it worked. So yeah. and got called for holding. Exactly. Yeah. You could tell that they hadn't practiced it. Like the, the Dabo play calls are ones that kind of, we haven't really fleshed out and practiced too much. I don't know. That's, it seemed to like work. McFadden just, just held the guy. And for once ACC refs called a holding penalty. <laughs> That one was blatant. I mean, turns out they know they know what the rule is. Yeah, when it's out there in the open field, like you you have to to call that. Although there was a missed face mask on Clemson, I think it was Rook that they completely missed in the back. Oh my gosh, that was absurd. Yeah. Yeah. Um, whatever. We're call it call it penance for the failed holding calls. But um, I mean, what I wanted to talk about with the tempo though, Ben, is a storyline. It's kind of not a storyline, but like a narrative. There's a tweet today from Matt Connolly from On Three. Clemson uh, talking about like Clemson tipping its plays, tipping its play calls. And with the lack of tempo, you do get the, you get, you do give the defensive coaches and the defensive players, you know, time to recognize the formation you're in the alignment. And if Clemson simplified its offense, which we've heard about in the off season from the coaching staff, like Streeter and others. um, Yeah. Like you're giving them time to recognize and potentially set up and, and bite on those plays uh, Matt Connolly's tweet pointed out a play from Notre Dame. You know, DJ hadn't even looked in the direction of Shipley. The corner from Notre Dame broke on Shipley because, you know, maybe they identified that play. Or, you know, I think in our group text, Ben, you identified like, looks like Bo Collins is going out there ready to block. Well, yeah. Like you- the, the, the cornerback was like five, seven yards off the line like the ball had just hit dj's hands he hadn't even looked over yet ship was um you know was running out out that way yeah Yeah. he was he was going out that way but bo collins still on the line hadn't taken a step yet just gets into a blocking stance like you have to take steps downfield to keep that cornerback honest maybe get him off the line a little bit and this is a problem i have with all of our wide receivers we try to block in place instead of drive guys drive guys away you know? Yeah. And so if you're the cornerback and you're standing five, seven yards off and Bo Collins immediately just goes into a blocking position, what the hell do you think is going to happen? Of course they're t- throwing the ball to Shipley's the only guy over there. So yeah. Um, yeah, maybe it's tipping the play calls, but in that one, the interesting part about that one is that like the tell was Bo blocking. Right. You know, for sure. So yeah. It's not goes, alignment necessarily as much as it is like technique, <laughs> I guess. Yeah, you could call and it. that goes to my issues with, with Tyler Grisham and the coaching of the wide receivers and the same thing we've seen on all year and the or last two years. No, it's, it's fair for sure. Um, so that's the kind of thing where maybe you, maybe you do decide to scheme around it. Like Clemson's not going to run tempo the whole game. Right. But at least that gives the defense a little bit less time to kind of acknowledge what's going on recognize, make, make their moves. We used um, to run tempo all game. Chad Morris era, right? Yeah, um, and that's how and, you and win it, when you don't have a Deshaun Watson or a Trevor Lawrence, you know. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you, you need to give yourselves advantage, self an advantage. And if your quarterback is out there saying that's his preference and you're committed to that quarterback, I think we need to mix it in a bit more. Um, but you want K goes in and in his 
two drives there to come back against Syracuse, two or three drives, whatever it was. Like it was up tempo. The mm-hmm. only difference it was up tempo, and we ran him. You know, he's yeah. a better runner um, than DJ technically as well with his elusiveness and speed. You know, DJ's more of a yeah. downhill, just going to run guys over. I think that elusiveness allows Cade to go break to the outside, whereas yeah. DJ, you find a little bit more like between the tackles runner. And if Cade can spread him out like that, like eventually that should open up just a lot more in the entire offense or open up run, running lanes for Moffa and Shipley. So um, again, like I'm a little perplexed coming out of this game, Ben, keeping it on the quarterback here about like, what what, what really was the purpose or game plan around subbing Klubnik in there? If all he's going to do is hand it off and break it for one first down, that was nice. But ultimately they weren't really trying to build up his skill and get him involved in a standard passing down, you know, call passing plays just for him and his skill set and build up his confidence. Like he essentially went in just for that one series. Right. And didn't really get a passing play called. No. Well, that was also cut short by Shipley's fumble. Um. So there's that, True but enough. yeah, they probably would just ran it the whole time. I mean, again, right. after like up it was working, minutes, like ten minutes left, there was no passes. Yeah. I don't think the rest of the game. Right. Yeah, that's fair, and you probably don't want to put Klubnik in a position to throw another pick. I don't know. I just we've seen it's an interesting, yeah, interesting kind of situation with with them. Um, I mean, overall, like, how do you feel like DJ played in this game? Um, I thought he played well. Uh, I thought he threw some really nice passes. Um, and I thought he worked within the offensive scheme. You know, that's he worked within the things that are, are within his control. Yeah, he had that that one fumble, which was ugly. Um, but, you know, he did well in the running game. Um, yeah, again, thought he threw some nice passes. Um, there was one drop, I think, in Gata over the middle and like a third down that could have kept the drive going. That I thought yeah. was put in into it's like a, a pretty, tight window. It was a tight window, but it was right there. That was a catchable ball. Yeah. And I will say, like, I think Ngata has improved more than we can tell. Um, I really do. From from the yeah. from, from the plays that I've seen from him throughout the season, the drops have really gone down. He's been getting more open. He's been making some more plays. He just hasn't had on the, the field. Yeah, and he just that, hasn't had like, the volume of opportunities. Um, yeah. But I think. You know, it, you know, he's outside of Antonio Williams. He's our best wide receiver on the team right now. Um, Antonio Williams, I think, in my mind, has surpassed everyone in his uh, short career here at, at Clemson. And lo and behold, it's a guy who, come, who has come in and is absolutely ready to play day one, whereas any wide receiver on this team in the past several years that needs to be developed doesn't seem to develop. Well, it seems like, I mean, he played the boundary in this game, right? like essentially swapping out for Bo Collins, who was out with an injury. Um, they had Brandon Spector in there starting in the slot yep. and Williams held his own 10 catches, 83 yards, one touchdown. Um, he even had a, do you have a, he didn't have a touchdown pass. He had the Philly special throw to DJ that was yeah. a completion was called back on a penalty, but um, yeah, dude's a stud, but I, I, I do. I agree. We should give Joe Joseph and got his flowers um, for well, the sticking completion- it out. The completion mm-hmm. did count because the hold was after the initial pass from DJ back to Antonio. Yeah, it was like a, or at, was it like a spot foul. Or after DJ got the ball back and started running, yes, it was a spot foul. So he was one on one for six yards and eighty-seven point eight QBR. Sign him up. You know, Wade in the rotation. As played um, a quarterback in high school, that was his position. 
Look, we need some depth. <laughs> I'd like to see Billy Wiles get some run, but we'll see. That's another you know, story. Like Hunter for another Johnson's day. terrible, you know. <laughs> yeah, somebody asked Nat Connolly. I think asked Dabo, like, was there any thought in the Notre Dame game of putting Hunter <laughs> Johnson in? And he said, just no, yeah. no thought. Poor Hunter Johnson. He's going to be a coach. Um, He's a Northwestern kid. Smart dude. He's going to be a coach. Yeah, probably for He's Clemson. Be a coach. <laughs> exactly. Hyper emergency break in case of glass or break yeah. glass in case of emergency guy. So, um, well, Ben, I think we've been burying the lead in this game. Like the, the running attack, like that was the, that was the story of this game. Really good to see the coaching staff prioritize that. I do think, you know, if you want to look for whatever the opposite of a silver lining is like Will Shipley fumble control, ball control fumbles, Joseph Mangata did show awareness and jumped on one of those continuing that drive. Um, I think this is a matter of just do too muchism from Will Shipley determination. I mean, um, highlight real play of the year was his hurdle for the touchdown took a simultaneous shot from two players to get into the end zone. Um, but that's not even, I mean, Will Shipley wasn't even the best runner in this game. It was. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so ship, I guess the announcers kept alluding to his, uh, hurt hand. Um, I don't know how much of effect that had on those two fumbles. Um, yeah, he picked that up during, during in pass blocking. Yeah, I don't, know. I don't know. I didn't. I didn't catch that real time. Um, yeah, but yeah, Phil Moffa, um, just what a compliment to Will Shipley. Such a bruising downhill runner. He broke off two long runs in this game. Obviously, that last touchdown for 35, 39 yards, uh, which was great to see. I mean, both of those guys have been super solid, and now the offensive line is looks like they're starting to open up some holes and get some get a push, and so that is a bright spot. Um, at least in, in, you know, in this game didn't go so well in Notre Dame, but, um, mm. and, and all that with Mays subbing in for parks in this game, um, at right guard, uh, with parks being out with, uh, in the concussion protocol. So good to see, we were still able to do that with a backup offensive lineman in, um, haven't really had any trusted depth this year or anticipated trusted depth. So good to see him get in there and, um, you know, the you know, offense just, kept going and and the running game was dominant 248 yards on the ground yeah i mean i think i think some of the woes like you mentioned the 31 points i thought clemson should have been in the mid 40s comfortably in this game uh, obviously three turnovers gonna stall some drives for you and you know you, you could definitely argue that at least two of those would have resulted in points for the most part so um that's a little disappointing i think for me like i didn't do too much sort of reconnaissance work against Louisville defense in this game coming in, but they gave that wake forest high powered offense fits a week earlier and continue their ways of turning teams over against us. But ultimately, um, you know, I thought the offensive line did a pretty good job keeping DJ upright uh, in this one. I mean, they, they had two sacks. They did have some tackles for loss though, Ben, like they were, they were getting into the backfield. I think part of that was due to some of the play calling and, a lot of screens, a lot of plays where off, our offensive players found themselves starting behind the line, couldn't get upfield from there. So eight TFLs for Louisville is quite a lot, you know, when they only had the two sacks overall. Um, but yeah, pretty tough defense, relatively speaking, for the ACC Atlantic. And I thought the O-line did a great job, as you mentioned. Yeah, and I think one thing with the screens in this game, um, I had mentioned it, I think the last game that we were on here, talking about it where DJ was really putting the ball in the screen game 
in front of guys, specifically Antonio Williams, um, so they could have momentum going forward towards the line of scrimmage instead of running parallel to it. Um, and then guys, you know, getting blown up in the into the backfield, um, you know, trying to block for him. And this game, it seemed a lot more side to side still. Um, so did Notre Dame. Yeah. I mean, again, wide receiver blocking yeah. is continues to be an issue. Like I said earlier, like we're just kind of trying to stand around and block in place and not actually trying to move guys or drive guys down the field. Because if you give these guys a little bit push forward, um, you know, and, and get them back away from the line of scrimmage a little bit with between Will Shipley and Antonio Williams, like you put those guys in space, they're going to make plays and they're going to make people miss. But when you're allowing them to swarm behind the line of scrimmage, it's dead in the water. Yeah, I mean, I, I do think this Clemson offense, you know, did stall at times. I think I think because of that, like for the most part, you know, it's failed plays, not really willing to push the ball downfield too much. A couple of drops in this game, you know, the turnovers really happened on pretty extended series um, in this one. Um, but again, like against the competition, like fairly, fairly good game overall for the offense. Um I don't know, Ben, like, I don't know how much confidence this gives me moving forward against like a Miami and South Carolina that we're going to dominate those teams. Like, and I think it's less about the skill and more about like the will of the coaches. And are they going to be willing to just put the boot on the throat of a Mario Cristobal Miami team or a Shane Beamer South Carolina team? Like we, we just haven't seen the coaching staff call a game where it is like, let's just put together string together like four or five scoring series in a row you know, with the play calling or with finding the wrinkles that work, you know, taking advantage of what the defense is giving you. Um, and I think for, we'll talk in a little bit about where we see Clemson ceiling for this season. I think Clemson does need some style points right now. Like if you are a team that wants to make it back into the playoff, we can debate whether you and I want to see Clemson in a playoff game. Um <laughs> at this point against the competition. But... I mean, yeah, that's the joke. Of course I want to see Clemson. In the yeah. Playoff. Of course yeah. I think we'll get our ass kicked if we make the playoff. <laughs> yeah. But I'd rather do that than get our ass kicked in the orange bowl against Alabama, <laughs> you know, and yeah. just for the experience of these guys and be able to say you made the playoff. Like it's okay. Oh, like yeah. everybody, you know, half the teams get their butt kicked in the first round of the playoff year in year out. And you know what, if we're one of those teams, this team is still going to well, grow from it and who knows maybe we put we together sit, a game yeah we sat yeah. here going into that fiesta sorry going into the sugar bowl against ohio state we're like oh they don't belong they played five games against you know columbus school of the deaf and you know came in and kicked our ass with the right game plan and they had the talent clemson certainly has the talent no we have not seen them put it together but same thing happened in 2020 with ohio state so and a lot can happen with the month off um, yeah, 100%. especially for young guys to grow with three extra weeks of practice. Um, yeah. I still don't see a world in which we win a playoff game right now. I just don't think we've got it yeah. all together, specifically on the offensive side of the ball. I don't think we're good enough. Um, but, but chaos is it. starting to break our way, Ben. Like it Oregon is. losses. Like we'll get into what's going on in the national picture. But all that said, like you want that outcome. Clemson's need. Clemson needs to show that committee and show the nation, like. Oh yeah, they are starting to figure this out. They can't string things together. They can score in the 40s and 50s if needed and you know, really contain way worse offense like Miami and South Carolina to single digit points. Like put it all together, see the talent come to fruition. You're not getting in the playoff if you don't 
win definitively at this point of the year, but there's definitely a path, you know, if Clemson can do that. It's going to be a yeah. lot of lot of losses on the schedule for the teams ahead of them. And I'm not really sure what to make of Miami, honestly, at this point. It's been kind of a roller coaster year for them. Um, right. But South Carolina, we're going to run for 400 yards, pretty sure. Yeah, that's going to be fun. Um, yeah, be like 150 for ship, 150 for Moffa. What's that? 300, 50 for DJ, no, 25 <laughs> for DJ, 75 for Kobe Pace. Let's do that. Sounds good. I like it. Um, let's let's actually transition real quick to special teams, Ben. Um, Aiden Swanson in this one, you know, kind of an up and down game for him in punting. We had five punts on the day plus the three turnovers. Pretty disappointing. There were moments with, with stall drive, that kind of thing. Um, Aiden Swanson, though, you know, for my money, he uh, outside of the block at Notre Dame, I don't know how much you put on him versus, you know, the the coverage team and the protection. I did notice we got Brian Berzee in there on punk punt protection right now. You know, good to see him willing to take one for the team, get in there on special teams, you know, in that in that spot um, as a bit of an enforcer. Um, and Aiden Swanson, he had a 54 yard punt. That thing looked like it was 90 yards. Uh, average 41. So I think he's, you know, we had a lot of questions coming out of camp and I think, I think Aiden Swanson's done a, done a fine job. In it oh, I think he's done better than we could have asked for. Um, I think he's done just fine. He obviously has the leg to put together some, some booming punts and this is his first year in the starting role. So he'll continue to develop. I've been very pleased with what we've seen out of him this year. Yeah. And then I will say, I think BT Potter hit his most challenging field goal this season with that, that little, 19, that yard little chip 19 yarder from the right. Yeah. Edge. Little, little, little pitching wedge. Uh, yeah. From the two yard line. We're going to miss um, that guy. I don't know who's behind him. I mean, we recruited some guy last year. Robert right? Gunn, the third. Oh yeah. RG three. RG getting that RG three, two. That's RG3, right. Three, two. Yes. Isn't um, it be great one day when he retires and then, you got RG three one and RG three two in the booth calling games. It's gonna be fantastic. Oh, be nice. That'd be fantastic. Yeah. I hope he's half as good as RG three one. Yeah, I do he's enjoy great some answer. RG3. Yeah, we need him on it. The thing is, like, if he's calling a Clemson game, like, it's not a good matchup coming up. So maybe he'll, maybe we'll get him for South Carolina. We'll see. In Miami it's a nooner or Miami. Yeah, Miami's a three thirty. South Carolina's a nooner. Um, not much else championship to cover. game is going to be eight. I think it's already set. Yeah. It's usually a nightcap. You're right. I think they've already, say. they set it at like the beginning of the year. They're going to put yeah. the SEC championship game on at three 30. Then they're going to put the ACC on at eight with the PAC 12 coming on. Just like, you know, a little bit. After. Actually PAC 12 is usually, is usually the big 10 on the same time as us. And then big 12 is in the morning and the PAC 12 is on a Friday. Cause they're weird. Oh yeah. PAC 12 is on a Friday. Yeah. They know nobody's going to watch. Yeah, exactly. They got to do whatever they can. Yep. Um, All right. Well, let's move it over to the defense. So, Ben, for the second week, I'm not counting that, by the way, that final touchdown. Uh, Maybe I should, but I don't think I am. Um, For the final, or sorry, for the second week in a row, Clemson really only allowed one score per half from a defensive standpoint. Now, I know you're saying, Look, Notre Dame scored 35 points against Clemson. Um, no, they didn't. Our we had a block punt for a touchdown, we had a pick six, and an interception led to what, like a 16-yard field. They essentially allowed seven points per half, you know, in that Notre Dame game, and then seven points in the first half in this one, three points in the second half. 
defense is starting to show out. And I think, you know, you, you had some absences in this one, the biggest name being Trent Simpson. Obviously, Fred Davis was also out in this game. Didn't really feel his absence quite as much as Simpson's. Um, but I think you are starting to see, you know, some things evolve throughout the season um, that are playing into Clemson's favor that I want to get into here. Uh, but I thought, you know, top to bottom, pretty good defensive effort on the day caused a turnover. Um, granted, you know, some of this was against a backup quarterback in Brock Doman. Um, and they did give Malik Cunningham fits, even though he was playing injured, as we talked about in the, in the early going in this show. Um, but anyway, I thought, I thought this was, you know, kind of a get right game for the defense overall. And, um, you know, we saw some outstanding performances that I'm sure we'll get into here. Yeah, I wasn't too down on the defense after the Notre Dame game. I know a lot of people were, but to your point, when everything just mentioned, that really wasn't on them. Um, and I think especially as, uh, you know, guys on the defensive line to come back healthy now, of course, Xavier Tommy is out for the season now. But, you know, the secondary being broken in with the with the younger guys and Nate Wiggins. Um and then shuffling around on the linebacker core in this game with having to move Barrett Carter from the, the what, Sam to the will. And then um, with Simpson being out in this game. Um, yep. I mean, Barrett Carter just had an absolutely amazing game. And so now it sounds like Simpson may go back to a Sam position, leave Barrett Carter in there at the will. And that also allowed Wade Woodass to get in there and get some playing time. And he looked absolutely phenomenal. Um, really looking forward to what we're going to get out of that kid for the next um, you know, two and a half years at least, um, or at minimum. Um, yeah, uh, Bersay is really getting back to form, had one of his best games. Uh, Tyler Davis and Rue continue to be the same dominant forces they've been all year. Um, KJ Henry still see his motor and continue to see him all over the place. So, yeah, RJ Mickens just continues to really impress me quietly. Um, yeah. So, I mean, yeah, there's been a lot of – there's been too many big plays that are given up. Some of that is on is on Wiggins. He missed that open field tackle that he should have had earlier in the game then a couple busts in coverage. Uh, but overall, yeah, really excited what we're seeing out of the defense. The only thing that I'm uh, disappointed at, really, and Davo got after him in this game is Miles Murphy, and it's kind of been this way all season. I don't know if it's an attitude thing or what, or if we're really seeing um, – the effects of not having Brent Venables and his intensity over there, you know, throughout the weekend on the sideline. Uh, Wes Goodwin is just not that guy. That's, you know, not the the type of personality he is. He's going to need to continue to grow into this role. And I, I think he will. Um, but just lacking that intensity, Dabo seems to have to be the motivator. Now, you know, Miles had two busts in this game from very similar plays that led to long runs where he got too far outside and he wasn't filling the gap. To his credit, he was definitely being held on the second one. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> definitely, that's yeah. the one that Dabo, I think, got after him um, on. And that was the one where two plays later, uh, Barrett Carter had the that beautiful interception. But, man, man, just so many more holding calls in this game that were missed. But, you know, whatever. I, I, I do really wonder, because I see a lot of them coming up the middle specifically on like Tyler Davis or Brisset or Rook. Um, is it an initiative that's not really being spoken about by the NCAA that they're really trying to protect the quarterback and these free, um, you know, these open lanes to them? Because it, it's the same thing every time. And if the referee standing there in the backfield cannot freaking see it, then, well, that just, you know, 
it just buys into the cliche there that, you know, refs are blind um, because it's right there in front of them. I mean, when it's literally like an offensive lineman choke holding a defensive tackle, and that's the only thing between him and the quarterback, what else is the referee looking at? Especially if the, you know, if the quarterback still has the ball, I don't know. Um, but I guess we're gonna have to get over it at this point. Uh, but let's not let that overshadow anything. Barrett Carter, phenomenal game. The the jump and leap on that mm. on that. Who sack. had the better hurdle, Ben? That, Barrett Carter or definitely Shipley? Barrett Carter. Definitely <laughs> yeah. Barrett Carter because Will Shipley had to take a little stutter step, and I think when he came down, those two guys just like parted like the Red Sea. I think out of respect. <laughs> <laughs> That's and fair. They, they were gonna get hit hard. But Barrett Carter to be able to make that move and come down and just like first step, just you know, launch right at Brock uh, Domin. Uh, wow, what an athlete! I'm really excited about this linebacking core, um, the starters, the backups. Um, yeah, it's just really great to see. And you worried about that being a drop off because that's Venable's position group. Um, it is one of the most complicated positions to play in his system, especially for younger guys. Now you know Wade's in there doesn't have a full grasp of the defense down yet it's easy for these kids to shine in these kind of spot moments but you can certainly see right. people that are moving into the future yeah i mean i do want to go back and talk you hit on some really good points here um in terms of like who west goodwin is and is not trent simpson i think you know he's he's a total stud and he's going to be probably a first rounder when he does go into the nfl drafts coming out of clemson at linebacker um but you mentioned like you get him out of the will position, you get Barrett Carter over there. Barrett Carter shines at the will. Maybe that's an opportunity to put Trenton Simpson back in the position that he shined in his first two seasons. Um, or I guess his yeah, first two, right? Um, at the the Sam position. Um and it, you know, it, I just want to call out like Wes Goodwin, he is the linebackers coach, he is the defensive coordinator, he is a play caller. Um He's not Brent Venables. He doesn't get one hour of sleep a night, crunch film like that. You know, yes, you could say he was a bit of the brains behind Venables in terms of play calling and, you know, play design and, you know, opponent uh, scouting, all of those kind of things for sure. Um, but yeah, I'm just saying like his first year in this coordinator role wearing that headset, um, there's a lot on that guy's plate. And, you know, is he, is he there getting Trent Simpson day in, day out, you know, set up to play the will and dominate that position. Probably not, you know, probably not as much as he'd like to be. And Trent Simpson would like him to be, and we would like him to be. Um, so maybe that's a development circumstance or, you know, kind of casualty of what's been going on with the coaching change. Um, Trent Simpson, you know, his, his linebacker coach was Brent Venables, you know, coming up through this year. Um, he, he made leaps and bounds in his early days in Clemson. Um, I'm down, you know, if they, do you think they really will kind of do the, the swap between the Sam and the will with Carter and Simpson though, Ben, or is that just something we're kind of like hoping happens? It kind of sounds like from listening to Davo and, um, I think Wes, it seems like it may go that way. Um, it, you know, I think the concern, you know, Simpson had put on, um, you know, some muscle yeah. and bulked up a little bit to, to go, to go and play the will position. But, um, you know, from Davo just saying such an amazing athlete, he can still certainly go back and play the Sam. Um, I think you certainly have to try it out because the results were there and they were great. Yeah, um, I say why not try it here against Miami and yeah. South Carolina, see what happens. Um, you know, if he, and if you he know these guys cross-train at these positions anyways. Yeah, yeah, that's right. 
Um, so I don't know if you put any stock in the West Goodwin, you know, the drop off from Benevol's to Goodwin, all of that. Um, no, I think I think the only thing that I, I think with the drop off right now might be the intensity and leadership. I think we're definitely missing that from Venables. And I think that's in part where um, Dabo aired in not bringing in an outside hire really on the offensive side of the ball. I think you can get away with it with, you know, one young unproven hire in one of your coordinator positions. I think when you go and do that for both positions, I think the defense was already on solid footing. I think they knew what they were going to get out of West from like a scheming and play calling position. Now, what we get out of leadership, we don't know that yet. Um, you know, you're having to see kind of like Barrett Carter and KJ Henry take over the reins as the leaders on the defense. It's not, doesn't necessarily seem as least as far as the fans can tell, as we can tell from the coaching position. Um, but again, I think you can get away with that on the defensive side of the ball. I think we really, Debo may have really erred and not bring in some more experience um, coaching, you know, not necessarily just the coordinator position, just kind of any position on the offensive side of the ball. You've got, you know, Thomas Austin, CJ Spiller, Tyler Grisham, um, Brandon Streeter, you know, those are all guys that are younger than me. <laughs> so, and you, um, uh, yeah. accomplishing their own rights as, as much as they are. But, um, yeah, I think on the defensive side of the ball, I, I not seeing the step back necessarily that everybody, yeah, there's a slight setback. There was always going to be. It's Brent Vittables. I mean, give the guy, like, credit. I don't care who you brought in to coach this defense, right? There's very few guys in college football that could match Brent Venables' uh, capabilities, intensity, and his just amazing ability to scheme and scheme on the fly, right, and, and make adjustments. So um, I'm – perfectly happy with West Goodwin in this role. I think we've seen the the results on the field this year. Again, Notre Dame, I, I think is not on, on the defense. Um, we'll see. We need to play better competition. We'll see what happens. When we get there and more, more high powered offenses. Yes. Wake Forest. It wasn't a good looking game. We also had tremendous industries and in, injuries in the secondary. Like, what are you going to do? Yeah. Now those guys are playing a lot better because of that experience. For sure. Um, North Carolina is going to be a challenge, I think. That's going to be the tough one. Luckily, they can't play defense, but can we score? I mean, Ben, we get one stop. Is that all we need? Might be. I think we get more than one stop. I think this defense is coming at that point uh, just, you know, from – you know, getting guys healthy, you know, knock on wood. Let's, um, let's get that freaking orange plastic off the, off the damn sideline. Like, yeah. What is that? Tyler Venables, uh, tore up his hamstrings slipping on that thing. Uh, Jake Brenning school and his, uh, Brenning school and his pass down the sideline slipped and fell like just paint the damn grass orange. Even if it turns to mud, who cares? It's not the playing field painted orange. Like, geez, everybody's slipping and sliding on that thing. Like it's dangerous. Yeah. Don't get it. Keep guys healthy. Um, one of my unsung heroes in this game, I mean, he did have the most tackles on the day. I think he's just done a phenomenal job in his first year as a starter at the mic is Jeremiah Trotter Jr. Uh, that dude's bringing it, you know, you could say from a drop off from Skalski, um, just from a vocal leader of the defense, but I, I can see Trotter. Sure. Yeah. I could see Trotter like stepping into that role pretty, pretty soon here. Um, really well good tackles. Seven solo. Yeah. That'll stop a run game. Absolutely. Um, and look, like Louisville did get did get theirs on the ground in this game somewhat. I mean, they averaged five yards of carry, 150 yards on the ground. Um, Jawar Jordan, their solid back, like did have a good game. Um, I also, I mean, Ben, I want to call out like Brock Dobin from Louisville. 
I was like, oh, we're going to get fresh meat here coming in Malik Cunningham's backup. But I thought that guy did a pretty good job hanging in there. Yeah, I didn't um, think he was that bad at all. Yeah. So anyway, like they were not a lackluster, terrible offense in the second half. I thought Clemson did a good job keeping them contained, really only letting them put the nine points on the board in the second half with Doman. Uh, but, you know, they were they were kind of matriculating the ball down the field a fair amount. And, um, you know, Doman seemed like a pretty tough kid. Yeah, you know, it's it's again, it's still the big plays. It's some missed tackles here and there, some bust in coverage. Um, but, yeah, overall, I'm still super confident about, you know, with this defense. Um, Miami's going to have a hard time putting up points. South Carolina is going to have a very hard time putting up points. Seven, eight, yeah. nine, you know, Rattler. Yeah, it might end up like not worried. Seven, More like eight, a garter snake. Seven, eight. <laughs> uh, that's great. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not even finished my joke. Yours was so much better. <laughs> um, it really is that North Carolina game, you know, and it is interesting. Like you mentioned, Murphy didn't start this game. We need Murph. Like, gotta have Murph, gotta get have him for someone like, um, you know, North Carolina's quarterback, um, whose name I'm spacing out at the moment. It's uh, May, May, yeah, Max yeah. May, no, Blake May, Blake May. <laughs> We're terrible. We gotta pause it. <laughs> what is it? Drake May? Is it Drake, Drake May? May? Drake May, there's no pausing, there's no, right. there's no pausing <laughs> in, in this podcast in video. That's right. Drake may like we got to have Murphy. He's, he's our best defensive end. He's our best pass rusher. Like it's got to happen. Um, but it's nice to have Justin Maskell who can come in there and start a game for you. Yep. I, I was like, let's try Brzee on the end. See what happens. You know, did he Brzee, play end in high school? Brzee's gained a little bit of weight. <laughs> yeah. He doesn't have that burst. bad weight, but it's, you know, defensive tackle type weight to where, yeah. Don't really see him moving on to the end, but that's where a guy like Wade Wood as being able to, um, you know, come off the edge there is, is certainly a boon, uh, especially yeah, and, again with Xavier Thomas being down. And I don't want to sell KJ Henry short. Like the dude is awesome. He's a great end, but you know, he's had a good year. I still think Murphy is like that top 10 talent. Oh yeah. Would, and again, I think that's where if Brent Venables was coaching this team that we'd be getting a lot more out of miles Murphy. We'll, we'll see. I don't know. Yeah. We've seen some loafing. We've also seen some really good play. We know what he's capable of. Um, yeah. You just, and look, not... the, the lights, the lights shine bright in that ACC title game. Like I'm confident he's going to step up and that we're going to get what we need. But again, your point is health in all three levels of that defense. Hopefully T-bone, He's had a tough year, man. Fell off a moped, tore up his hamstring on the sideline. Like, let's get that guy a bubble suit, you know, or just, you know, get, get off the damn moped and rip the plastic <laughs> up off the sideline. You know, come on, let's, yeah. let's, 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 let's low, reduce the risk. It's low hanging fruit. Those are easy things to do. <laughs> exactly. You sound like an insurance adjuster, Ben. I like it though. I, I, I like your theories. Like the Allstate commercials. Exactly. Yeah. Mayhem. Yeah, pretty much. Mayhem like him, you know. Mm -hmm. Well, 31-16, Ben, uh, we continued some streaks in this game. Uh, Ten in a row in the purple on orange. Nice to see. 39 straight home victories for Clemson um, in a row, going back to Pitt. Never have we ever lost to Louisville in, in collegiate football. 
So good to see all those streaks continue. Let's continue the home winning streak against Miami this week. Uh, not much to look look ahead at and fear from this Miami team. Um, they did get they're coming off of a bludgeoning from Florida State. Uh, who they beat this last week, Georgia Tech. At this point, under an interim coach, Georgia Tech, like, I don't know that there's too much you can take away from that. No, Georgia Tech screwed me on that one bet after they changed coaches, and you warned me. You warned I did. me. Dead coach bounce. Dead coach bounce. I'll remember that in the future. Yeah. Um, yeah, they got waxed by Florida State 45 to 3 on the road. Um, lost to Duke. I mean, one thing I'll say about Miami, one thing I'll say about Miami when they go to Atlanta, that stadium was empty. Probably felt like a home game. True. Bobby Dodd. Bobby Dodd. Same thing as Hard Rock Arena or whatever they play in. Land Shark Stadium. I think that's going to be the game we have to go to next year because the away game schedule sucks so much. So I swore I'd never go back to Miami after that Orange Bowl. I I know. I, I. I it's guess. a fun venue, though. It's yeah. a fun trip. Well, I mean, the venue. Yeah. No, 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 yeah. The, I mean, like, going to Miami itself is yes. nice. South Beach. We'll post up on South yeah. Beach. Have a little South Beach podcast. Go to the Clevelander. Clevelander podcast. That works. Yeah. Um, all right. Well, that's the Louisville game. 9-1. Uh, 7-0 in the conference, Ben. Uh, gonna play officially against North Carolina in the ACC title game. I mean, you take us back to August, you take us back to last November, take us back to February. If I could offer you nine and one, lost to Notre Dame, all the goals of winning the ACC on the table, outside shot at the playoff, I think we'd say yes. How the team got here, not the not the sharpest of seasons thus far. And Notre um, Dame I, being the team we thought they may be, especially yeah. after that Ohio State game. You know, let's think about it, though, you know. That Ohio State game was tough. They lose their starting quarterback. Um, then from that, from the emotions of that, have to go and then lose the Marshall after that really hard-fought game. And then Stanford was a debacle. But still a good football team. Yeah. And, like, for They're this whole season. on offense, but aren't they always? Right. No, and, like, yeah, Marshall, Stanford, like, yeah, they're, they're coming off losing their quarterback. Um, I think – I mean, I knew we were going to get their best because they would get up for Clemson, even though they have a rookie head coach. Like Notre Dame's team was going too prideful; they were going to show up and do it. Brian Kelly did not leave the cupboards bare. Like I just think I can't explain the Marshall and the Stanford losses from them, to be honest. But um, I don't know. Maybe maybe you can chalk those lesser opponents up to the, the coach not motivating the team. I can um, I but- can explain the Marshall loss because of what I just said. The Stanford yeah. loss is tough unless you're going to call that a letdown game after they beat BYU uh, in North Carolina. We yeah. in North Carolina the weeks prior, right? Uh, and then Navy game was close last week, thirty-five to thirty-two. They won. They they didn't they didn't score anything. <laughs> that was a case. Yeah, I didn't really watch that. I was kind of keeping one eye on it, and that was a case where they just completely turtled. Like, yeah, they did not try to score a single point in the second half, and they did not. So. Um, certainly look closer on the scoreboard than I think it was, but yeah, I mean, they, they're an up and down team for the most part. They're definitely a disappointment. Um, but it's a rebuild under a new coach. So we, yeah, it's tough to lose like we did to a three loss team, but they are pretty talented overall. 
I think they're better than the record suggests. Mm-hmm. I mean, honestly, they should only have one loss at this point. Yeah, that's right. And if they did, they'd be a top five team because they beat Clemson and North Carolina. Right. So, so and had a had a close quality loss to Ohio State. Yeah, so, so it's their fault. We don't look better for losing to them. <laughs> exactly. How dare they? Um, but no, I mean, at this point, Ben, like we didn't know in this season if we'd get DJ Jekyll or Mr. Five, you know, I think we're pretty happy thus far with how this season's turned out. Um, and again, you know, if Clemson does not sneak its way into the playoff, I don't think that's a failure of a season. I think if we lose the ACC championship game or lose one other time, then you could start to talk about this being something that, you know, is, is not meeting the standard uh, that this team is set for itself. But I don't know that we're there yet. I don't know that I see a loss on the schedule. Um, North Carolina will be challenging, though. Like, I do think we have the talent. We really should beat them. Do I think that we will? I think I need to see what happens these next two weeks. Like, if we can definitively win. I'm not saying we need to have, you know, 40-point <coughs> margins over Miami and South Carolina. I'd love to see that. I don't think we need to have that for me to think that we can beat North Carolina handily. Um, but I, I would really like to see us stymie those offenses and get our offense going to where, oh, yeah, like they've found a groove. They found something that worked. They're not tipping their plays. All of that stuff, you know, clean that stuff up. Up tempo. Go up tempo. See what happens. See what happens. Yeah. Try it out against South Carolina. I mean, you're going to beat them. And get Will Shipley going in the passing game. Can we do that, please? And not just in screens. Maybe let him cross the line of scrimmage before you throw it to him. That'd be great. Are the tight ends right? They're pretty good too. They, they exist. It's yeah. true. Um, all right, Coach Streeter, you got your homework. Ben, let's move it off Clemson. The rest of college football. This was an awesome weekend to be sitting on the couch like I was. Um, across college football, really, there's. Um, my game of the weekend was the Oregon Washington game. I mean, this one was back and forth from the start. Washington has had kind of an up and down year, not dissimilar to Notre Dame, um, brand new coach brought in a transfer quarterback, uh, who just lit it up in Eugene against Oregon and Oregon, a little bit fraudulent. Um, I thought Bo Nix had a really good game. He's legit. He's having an awesome year. I just think Oregon once again, like late game decisions from the coaching staff, really cost them. So that's nothing new. Um, I, I don't really think that they were kind of playoff caliber or playoff worthy. Their defense gave up a shit ton of points as they did against Georgia. So I don't think they would fare really that well against Georgia again or against Ohio state or against definitely not Tennessee. Uh, so we got them up out of there. Washington already has two losses. They're probably done um, in the PAC 12 that really, and UCLA lost to Arizona that really only leaves USC remaining and they're going to, I think they play Notre Dame who can beat them. They play UCLA who can beat them. Then they're probably going to get maybe Oregon, maybe Washington, maybe Utah again in the PAC 12 title game. I'm predicting another USC loss. I don't know about you. Are you done talking about the PAC 12? <laughs> sure. Uh, um, yeah. Yeah. They'll somebody will lose. They always do in the PAC 12. That's just how that works. Oregon got it out of the way. Um, mm-hmm. uh, Penix had a really good game. Um, but yeah, I don't really pay attention to the Pac 12 until they get back into a playoff and actually come close to winning a game. Um, 
but yeah, it is much it, it is a much stronger conference from top to bottom this year with the re reemergence of UCLA and USC. Um, I, I still don't trust USC to lose a game uh, or to not lose a game because, um, like you mentioned, they may have Utah or UCLA or or they still have to play UCLA. So I'll play Notre yeah, Dame. Yeah, they play There's a loss. There's a right. loss on that schedule. Um, so I and they get, lost their running back for the year. Ooh, like their sucks. their stud running back's done. So that sucks. Well, I yeah. hate loses because they're star players down. That's that's right. Unfair I think they'll probably lose for other reasons. Call it Lincoln Riley syndrome. Yeah. But there you yeah. go. There you go. Um, um but yeah, no, my favorite thing of the week was uh was um uh uh geez, what's his name? Uh the coach at Mississippi State. Um Mike Leach. Uh, yeah, Mike Leach's half taking down interview. the wide receiver chairs. No, no, no. His his halftime interview <laughs> heading into halftime at the Georgia game. It was great. I, I missed it. What do you say? More Mike Leach moments. Go back and look it up. All right. I'll check it out. <laughs> yeah, crazy. the dude's crazy. Yeah. I wish he was like my, my father-in-law, you know? It'd be right. Sick. Not my real Never know. Dad. Not my dad, though. I'd be too, that, that'd be embarrassing. But father-in-law, that's perfect. Yeah. Just keep the quotes handy. Yeah. Um, TCU, Texas, I kind of had that game on as – as our game was going um, and as the Washington Oregon, obviously it was a little bit later. So Oregon, Washington was on um, three, nothing at halftime, like super, super defensive battle. Um, Gary Patterson is now the Texas defensive coordinator. Like he's involved in the defense there. Um, so you would have thought he would have had TCU's number somewhat, but no, like TCU in the second half really brought it and their Texas has way more talent Queen yours, I think, was really lackluster in this game. That dude's been up and down all year. So, uh, I don't know. TCU, like, this is the first time I thought, not just because they got past probably their hardest hurdle in Texas, but what they showed on the field, like, I think they could run the table. Um, yeah, I mean, absolutely. They got at Baylor, home against Iowa State, and those are their last two regular season games. And then they'll have a probably K-State in the title yeah, game. It looks like K-State right now. It could be an Okie State. Let's right. see. Who does Kansas State still have to play? They have to play at West Virginia and then at home against Kansas. Kansas is not what they were when earlier in the season after they lost their quarterback. So, yeah, it's looking like a strong uh, K-State possibility, which, um, you know, they beat them at home 38-28, to 28, but let's see what happens on a neutral field. Yeah, in a rematch. Those are tough. Yeah. Um, Although I will say the Pac-12 is, um, or sorry, the Big 12 is also, I think, better. Yeah. You know, we're seeing a like, again, I think there's just some more parity around college football right now. Call it from the NIL, call it from the transfer portal, whatever you will, and how how you know, despite how much first year coaches, yeah, despite how much both of those things have been bungled by the NCAA, like we still thought that could eventually lead to more parity throughout college football. And I think it's a great thing for the sport. Um, I think Texas is definitely better um, than their record would suggest just as yours did go down earlier in the season. Um, But yeah, let's um, TCU has a clear shot. Um, You know, it's really the destiny is in, in their hands for the playoffs right now. So but yeah, they could run into K State in a Big Twelve championship game and knock them out. So lo and behold, Clemson fans, we we're still in this. We're still yeah. in this. this we're rooting for this. we're rooting for TCU to lose, just so everyone's clear. Yeah, like we need them out. Then we're gonna go. 
get our butts kicked by Georgia in the first round of the playoffs. In Atlanta, though. Or Ohio State. Oh, Save Atlanta, on travel great. budget. Great. Yeah. yeah. Great. It'll be all right. Don't lose. Don't pay a lot of money to go see it, you know? Exactly. Yeah. That's right. Just as long as we don't have to play in New Orleans, I think we're going to be all right. Yeah. We just don't want to play there. No. Um, other matchups, like Alabama barely beat Ole Miss, should have lost. That's like their third game of the season that they should have lost. Um, they've already lost two. Bama should basically be five and five at this point. Um, that's fine. Like, whatever. Get Ole Miss out of there. I think everyone knows Bama's not it. We should probably jump them in the college football playoff rankings tomorrow night, Ben. We're recording this on a Monday, everybody. Um, so, yeah, I think Bama – I mean, I don't think we'd get killed by Bama if we played them in the Orange Bowl. I don't know about you. I think it'd be a good game. I think we win. Well, well, we can cross that bridge when we get to it. Fair enough. Um, any other matchups of note for you this weekend? This last weekend, I should say. Um, Florida State's looking really good. Like they blew out Miami. They blew out Syracuse. That's turning out Syracuse to be a to good three. Win. That's yeah. turning out to be a good win, especially as NC State keeps um, crapping the bed. Of course, Leary's out for the, he's out for the season, right? Yes, he is. I think he has yeah. to take that into account for sure. Um, right, right. <laughs> Wake we'll get a pass for that part. Wake, on the other hand, not looking great. No, it was that it was that bad loss that Wake had really um, to to Louisville. Well, it wasn't even a bad loss. Well, I don't know. It was a bad loss. Um, they had North a bad Carolina, quarter. They had a bad third quarter. They should have beat in which NC they State, had like six. Although they yeah. ran up against, you know, again, a really good NC State defense. Um, and then North Carolina is a, you know, highly ranked team. So, right. Um, yep. Yep. I don't know. We'll see how it all plays out. Right. Well, obviously, a lot of good football left. Um, these are the days we want to cherish what is left in our in this waning weeks of college football for the season um you know would love to see the big 10 also implode on itself uh, michigan losing to illinois this weekend that would do you know and then they go on to beat ohio state in the game that'd be cool so uh, let's, we'll see let's let's look at michigan looking ahead to ohio state on the road against ohio state right Maybe picking up a loss here against Illinois, though, I don't know. I, I find that Illinois just lost this past weekend. Uh, Illinois got a good defense. That's the only thing. So, like, bet the under in this game. Well, there you go, because Michigan doesn't have a great offense. Um, right. Over-under is 43. That's already pretty low. Ooh, Alabama's <laughs> pulling Austin P.A. P.A. Austin P. Austin P. Austin P.A. P. Just P. Um, yeah, so not going to really pay attention to that one. Um, Georgia at, at Kentucky. Nope. Eh, eh, not going to happen. Not going to happen. Yeah. Yeah. There's really not too many matchups of intrigue this week. Of course, that's, that's when blood week happens, right? Take so, Tennessee minus 21 and a half over South Carolina. They need to put up style points for the college football playoff. If they have a chance, South Carolina is not good. And Tennessee can score points. Tennessee minus 21 and a half. That's your lock of the week. Take I it. agree. It hey. might rain. Doesn't matter. 
USC UCLA this weekend. I mean, that's really yeah. the game the Clemson fans need to be watching. Yeah, we got to get USC up out of there. Yep, and that that is at UCLA. Not that really makes much of a difference because they're both in the same city, and neither team's fans there give a crap about college football. So. Yeah, stadium's gonna be empty. Yeah, they're right. they'll all be at the beach, but good for them. They should be. <laughs> exactly. Um. All right, Ben. Well, it's good to get back on here, talk through this stuff. Um, I'm enjoying college football season. I sat on the couch all day Saturday. It was wonderful, especially a week removed from going to South Bend and freezing my keister off. So um, good times. Jarrett was at the game. We should shout him out. He was at the Louisville game, brought home the W. Uh, congrats to him. I think he had a little too much fun in Clemson Saturday night, so he opted not to join us for the show to recap the game. That is all good. Uh, I think he's going to be there for Miami also, Ben. So Nice. Jared's not allowed to miss a game until we lose. Yeah, and we're not allowed to go back. Me and Cody. That's right. Yeah, we're, okay. we can't go to a game. All That's right, we're up. sending Jared to every game for the rest of the season. Yeah, we need to go fund me for Podcast, that. Podcast, contingent, representative, president of Northern California Clemson Club. That that was the problem. He got he got press he got press passes or whatever. Or no, he just got pass. like an alumni sweet pass, alumni which you know. Sweet pass. Yeah. yeah. Well, if we, knew, if we knew it was that easy, we wouldn't start this damn podcast because we've yet to get a press pass. <laughs> I, we, we also haven't tried. All you got to be is the president of a 17-member Clemson Club in California. <laughs> you're fine. Yeah. And they let you then you're anywhere in. you want to go. Yeah. Um, <laughs> amazing. Well, I got nothing to add beyond that. But uh, thank you for everyone for tuning in. Um, you can find us on your favorite podcasting app or the Clemson Podcast. We're also on social media, twitter.com slash Clemson Podcast. We're also on Facebook. We post our shows, engage with our fans over there and our listeners and people that want to talk shit. We engage with everybody. Um, We are also on YouTube, youtube.com slash Clemson Podcast. If you prefer to watch us talk these words into existence, you can do that over at YouTube. Cody does a great job cutting up the video, getting that live three to four days after we record. We appreciate you, Cody. Good job. Thanks for doing that. Uh, so yeah, check us out. We're all over the place. We will be coming back at you live. Not live, but <laughs> we'll be coming back at you after the Miami game to recap that game. Look ahead to the South Carolina matchup. That game will be in Clemson also. Should be a butt kicking. Yeah, real quick before we go, let's not dwell on it. Just wanted to say one thing. Really thinking about Tony Elliott, the University of Virginia football team, and uh, the players and the family members of uh, the three guys that were, were shot and killed um tragic situation tough for tony but um that team has a good man in charge to help lead them through that fully agree and really nice to see also there were some some good words spoken out by virginia tech's head coach brent pry um in in the wake of this tragedy so um yeah really sucks um you know feeling for uva fans and for the team in this moment yep let's wrap it there ben and as always go tigers (laughs) 